Fuck skeletons. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 196. The start of our fifth year. That was like you sped up, like the record started at the wrong speed. Like, hello and welcome to. That was very good. My name is Josh, Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. And I was thinking uh, if we just had a random uh, episode 196, blah, 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 we could have gone uh, Oscar Mike. We're Oscar Mike. Uh, uh, OM. What? What? Oscar Oscar Mike. Oh my god. Did you guys not watch our review show at all this week? I watched it, but a lot of it just went over my head. Yeah, well. It's a turn turn from that. Like so many bullets. Like so many bullets. If only you weren't so whiskey tango, John Richards. Yeah. Go on, Josh. Keep going. Uh, going. He's just reciting the NATO alphabet. Yeah, but that's what they do on the show. No, they stand for stuff. You stand for stuff. In the show today, we are going to be talking about Operation Kill, which is what Brett Cropley is referring to with oh, all of that. Generation also, Generation Kill. Kill. Oh, Generation Kill. Yeah. The actual name for it. Right. I did update that, that on the wiki. I, I put it in mistakenly. Did that update not save? It did not save. Generation uh, Kill. I, I thought there a- was something wrong when I read it and, uh, and then went, eh, Cropley knows what he's talking about. Yeah, the TV show Generation Kill, but it is based on that book called Generation, Generation Kill. Kill. Yeah. Which was based on an article. Mm-hmm. Called Generation Kill. There we go. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to talk about that. It is Generation Kill, Operation Kill. That's next week. We're also uh, going to be talking to Wilbur Wild uh, about the Hey Hey reunion. Yes, indeed. The Hey Hey It's Tuesday. Well, reunion? It, it's Saturday. Hey, hey, it's just it's on Saturday. Tuesday. The reunion on Tuesday because apparently Tuesdays are the new Saturdays. We've got uh, an I don't buy it. We've got a things you may have missed. Got some letters to box cutters. Woo! Got one thing. We've got pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the box cutters news. And now for the news. Jump. Starting off the news uh, with the sad stories, which is traditional. And unfortunately, this week saw the death of Ray Barrett. Now, Ray Barrett is an acclaimed Australian actor. He has been in everything. He was 82 when he died on the 8th of September. He's mostly regarded, I think, as a film star, film actor, but um, he has done virtually all television you can name, uh, including, bizarrely, he had a, a career path much like that of Bud Tingwell in many ways. He went to the UK in the 60s. Mm-hmm. He was in The Avengers. He was in Doctor Who, Zed Cars, uh, an episode out of this world called Dumb Martian. He uh, did the voice of John Tracy on Thunderbirds. Really? <laughs> 30 episodes of Thunderbirds are actually Ray Barrett. Oh, which the, one's um, John? Uh, I can't remember which one. Is he the one that gets stuck in the... In the, the shuttle, them doesn't he think? Because he also played in, uh, in Thunderbird, Thunderbird Five. Yeah, because he also played Thunderbird S- Five. The uh, the satellite. Yeah. yeah, he also played Scobie Harmon, Chief Security Joe Ricochet, Mister Hackenbacker, uh, Francois Lemaire, Captain Savile, Lieutenant Burrows, Collins, a security guard, Jansen, in- uh, Adam Subbury for Captain and TV reporter. All in. Thunderbirds. Yes. For many of those, he, he just wore a fake moustache. He did. Um, he was in Colditz, uh, and then back here he did everything, including the Flying Doctors, GP, Medivac, Fyke, Rally, 
after the deluge, white colour blue. He was in All Saints quite recently and in Australia, uh, the movie, not the country. Uh. Although I believe that was filmed in the country. And I, I just want to point out this one too. This is actually a feature, Invaders from the Deep, 1981. Again, just voice acting, in which he played Commander Sub Shaw, uh, Sub Lieutenant John Horatio Fisher, King Titan of Titanica, Gadrith, Power Station, Chidera, Martimus, and Fragile. All nine film. Well, you wouldn't need to hire anybody else if you had Ray Barrett. How um, how did he pass? Uh, it was, I believe, a heart attack off the top of my head. And after a fall? Yeah, that's what I mean. After a... Uh, brain hemorrhage after falling in his home. Although, yeah, I'm not quite sure whether he fell because of the brain hemorrhage or the brain hemorrhage was brought on by the fall, but he was 82. I think he might have knocked his can head you, and had a bit of a bleed. Can mm. you do uh, some investigating, please? I can read the line again here, which is, after falling in his home <laughs> and suffering a brain hemorrhage. Oh, no, I, if I, I knew you, last week, that was all it took. I want you to go to his house with some uh, ultraviolet lights, some of that spray stuff. See, that a man do. has died. You Take know, some photos. He was much loved. He was a much loved actor. And there you go, saying that we need to, you know, go all CSI in his house. <laughs> He's, he, he, was, he was a fantastic actor and, uh, and will be missed. Uh, what's the most recent thing on his... Uh, Australia. Australia. Australia was the most. Yep. Yeah. Um, I, I saw him mostly in uh, Something in the Air. He was uh, quite Oh, of course. Oh, yes. 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 Uh, speaking of death... And uh, the havoc it wrecks. Mike Leyland, who you guys may know as uh, one half of the Leyland Brothers. Which, which one away. was he? Uh, he was the one called Mike. Oh, okay. uh, Passed away age 68 uh, from complications of Parkinson's, which uh, I hadn't oh. heard that he was suffering from at all. Uh, yeah. Death yes, is really depressing, isn't it? It's very depressing. But you... Uh, someone, someone else as well. And uh, the... One of the writers on MASH uh, has died at uh, the age 81, Larry Galbart, um, who uh, did, he, he, did a bit of was, Broadway writing as well as uh, the MASH work. But his, uh, his, his MASH work, they were the oh, good Tootsie MASH scripts. And, oh, God. And, yeah, and, and, oh, he wrote, and he wrote Tootsie as well, uh, which is a film about television mm-hmm. and cross-dressing. Yeah. That's, that's right. There's not it? enough of those. No, no <laughs> there, there aren't enough of those. Uh yeah, Larry Gelbart really wrote a, a whole lot of the great MASH episodes uh, and uh, are worth checking out if you've uh, got that on DVD somewhere, maybe through one of those Time Life, order them by mail, weird things that Is they that have. Is that the only way you can get the MASH ones? No, I think now you can, buy them, like I think you can buy them at the store now. You can buy Get Smart at the store now. So maybe that's, uh, that, that's the way that's worked. According to the Sydney Morning Herald... The latest digital tracker survey tells us that less than 1% of households know the date for the analogue switch-off in their area. Well, look, this is, this is a curious experiment. Ask me. When's the uh, digital switch-off in your area? I don't know. Do you Honestly, have t- I don't know. Do I, you have I do television? a show about television and I don't know when the switch-off is. In our is. area, has this been publicised? As opposed yeah, to Mildura. Like, I mean, like, do, you, do you know? Do we you know? weekly look for news on, on television stuff, and yeah. I have no idea specifically for Melbourne when the yeah, so there digital you go. cut-off so don't, so, Yeah, I, I don't know either. So, so yeah, in fact, you know, based on the three of us, that's 100% of people don't know the switch-off date in their area. Uh, to be fair, you can't actually get any terrestrial television at all. I can't, because I have no aerial that works. Yes. But yes. But I'm uh, interested. In, uh, in, in Mildura and Sunraysia, which are the first areas to be affected by the analogue switch-off, 13% of respondents could correctly name 30th of June 2010. Mm. 
So only so 13%. And we would only be uh, knowledgeable enough to know that all of it's going to be switched over by 2013. Well, yeah, and, and the thing is that, you know, knowledge about the switch-off dates is, is largely academic because if everybody by that stage has converted to digital, then uh, there's there's no problem at all. They can switch them off and no one will notice. Mm. According to the federal government, more than half of all the households have done just that, but uh, it's going to be that last half of stragglers. What about the battery-powered uh, black and white? little portable tally out in the garage. I, I think there might be a few of those that might be on hard rubbish collections. Uh, people not thinking I, it's, it's worth buying a set-top box for the thing that they... I, I think you would be hard-pressed to find something to plug the set-top box into mm. on that. Well, there's that as well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's uh, old technology. You know, sure, maybe put it in the same cupboard where you uh, display all of your crystal sets, Brett. <laughs> well, crystal sets still work. Yeah, but for how long? Analog uh, battery powered black and white TVs won't. Yeah, but how long? How long will the crystal sets still work for? Um, well, we haven't had any dates at all announced as far as uh, when the crystal set switch off. Analog radio uh, broadcast. Plus, if you can get a crystal set to work, then you can build crystal y- sets. I know, That's but if you can get the them to work, <laughs> you can only pick up AM. You can that's, own- that's one of my frustrations, that, that the, uh, the tuners that come with your mobile phones and, and all your new electronic devices don't have AM reception. If, but- if, if, from what I'm to believe, from what I see in movies... <laughs> What's happened? Is to, What's happened? ...is to be believed, and, and by movies I mean Fatty Finn, the only <laughs> thing that you can pick up on a crystal set... Is Bradman playing cricket? Yes. Do you know, weirdly enough, because Funny Film was going through my head as well, the only thing I can connect to crystal sets in any kind of real-world context. We are listening to Crystal Set Weekly. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> Next what, on the show. Do you remember the, uh, the radio they had in Changi, the uh, miniseries about uh, the prisoners of war? <laughs> and did they make it secretly? They, they would uh, be picking up BBC World or, or one of the international stations from there to uh, find out how the war was going. What else is on the news? Brett's got something uh, about uh, Channel 10 and... Uh, Master Chef. Yes, uh, in uh, news that probably won't affect anybody because I don't think anybody realizes that Master Chef actually had a host in its uh, <laughs> first uh, br- groundbreaking ratings uh, runaway success. Pe- Sarah, people, people might realize because we did talk about that fact. Yeah, I did see in, a photo in a of whole, it in, in a whole segment, but we talked about it in a way that I still can't remember what the host was called. Well, that's that's because we were talking about the fact that she was completely unnecessary yeah. for the show. And, uh, also, and just seemed to be invisible. Yeah. Having had that conversation and uh, and having watched parts of MasterChef, uh, when I saw a photo of Sarah Wilson, who has uh, been axed from uh, the production, uh, I had no idea who she was and thought, oh, my God, that's her. If uh, if if what Channel 7 is doing is uh, anything to, to go by, then she, she's probably going to appear on uh, the morning show with Larry Emder at some stage in the future because... Well, everybody else is. Everybody else is. <laughs> every has been you could possibly think of is uh, is going to fill that chair this week. So, so to backtrack, the, the news is that the person we can't remember no longer has the job we can't remember her doing. Yes. Is that right? It's been announced that uh, Sarah Wilson is... Regarded as surplus to requirements. <laughs> that's, that's a polite way they put it. Oh, that, that is a place you won't be uh, coming back. Green Senator Scott Ludlam proposed a, a bill amendment into the upper house last week to, uh, to restrict SBS from running ads during programs. According to the Special Broadcasting Services Act, 
1991, advertisements can be shown during natural program breaks. Mm. We're aware of this because they annoy us through South Park constantly and, and make us growl. Yes. <laughs> Uh, the Senator's proposal is going to prohibit those specific ad slots to protect the broadcaster from, quote, the creeping commercialization that is now evident. Oh, my God. It, it doesn't get much more commercial than SBS. So it's hardly a, the thin end of the wedge kind of deal. Are they showing the wedge now on SBS? Yes. No. Let's see what I did there. Yeah. It's thin end of the wedge. Yeah. Yeah. Commercial. Yeah. 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 But, um, I mean, you know, this is three three years past the fact. Yeah, but but it is a Green Senator, so uh, it's probably going to get voted down anyway. Oh, that All those and, Green Senators are the type that say, oh, I don't have a television <laughs> in my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody let them know. John. Oh, me. Um, this is, look, I'm not even sure if this is news or just a harrowing vision of things to come, but I thought it was worth mentioning. Fox on the 3rd of September, so a little while back now, uh, did a Twitter cast, it was called. This was a, uh, well, I would say repeats of Glee and Fringe, but Fox called them tweet-peats of episodes of Glee and Fringe. Stop, stop, stop. My, mm. my liver is convulsing. Yeah. In which, while the show was airing, Tweets from people involved with the shows were put on top of the television, superimposed onto the actual screen as it went. Um, there's a list oh, here from mm. this is the, oh. from, from actor John Noble, just between uh, two minutes worth of the show. I actually don't know which one John Noble's in. I think it's Fringe. Uh, in order, he said, watch what happens. This is a beautiful moment, Josh. Look at this. Ah, oh, that was pretty amazing, wasn't it, Josh? Oh, I remember that when I found the record in the lab. This was a massive reveal. This is the quality of information that was appearing on screens. Why, why is he saying them to me? I don't Because everyone says everything to you, Josh. Right. That, that paranoia is quite right. And um, <laughs> I mean, we're, we're effectively hoping this isn't going to happen ever again. But just to let you know, th- <laughs> this tweet, Pete, was attempted on air in America, two episodes Basically, and um, here's just some of the tweets that were then sent to the Fox site as well. Get the Twitter off my TV. Get this tweet stuff off my TV screen or you lose me as a fan of Fringe. Tweet Pete suck. What a way to ruin the show. Stop the stupid tweets. That's just uh, some chosen there at random. So, uh, so popular then? Oh, very popular. Yeah, I think about 100% people were, uh, were uh, yeah, unanimous. It was a unanimous response. To uh, the, to 100% the of people were unanimous. They were. 100% of them. Excellent. Most of the time. They tend to do that. Uh, Brett, uh, you got some uh, tweet tweet peats there? Uh, not quite tweet peats, but uh, we have a segment on. Uh, John on, is listening to Brett's segment on <laughs> on the box cutters uh, little podcast that we do here called Ray Watch, and it seems that uh, John t- likes Ray Watch. Day tonight, if I. Uh, Come up with a, a one that just writes itself, basically. Oh, today, tonight. What have you done now? Uh, they run a story on drink spiking in uh, bars. Uh, with do people really some... get their drinks spiked? Or do they just claim it afterwards? Hidden camera <laughs> investigation by reporter David Eccleston. Um, I wish John would stop tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Josh. <laughs> they, uh, they, they set up somebody uh, to spike a girl's drink. In a bar. What? They, they, what? what? The bar staff became concerned. And then, and then what? Take, take her home and have sex with her? The bar staff became concerned and called the police. Um, <laughs> police have confirmed that they were called to the Regatta Hotel uh, after noticing, uh, after staff noticed that uh, a man was tampering with the <laughs> a drink. A camera crew and, was uh, 
And uh, then the man who was uh, spiking the drink sped away in his car when he realised he'd been caught and police intercepted the vehicle. Uh, It turned out later on that uh, he had been worded up to spike the drink of this actress in the bar and uh, everybody concurred and uh, it was dropped and the incident wasn't mentioned as part of the story. Oh, that's insane. I mean, this is the thing, because there is some question mark as to whether there is any truth to drink spiking anyway. There is still a bit of a question mark whether it's like snuff films. It's actually more an urban myth than a thing that actually happens. Because it usually happens to people who've got really, really, really drunk and taken lots of drugs. And then someone spikes their drink. It's awful. Oh, that and to, didn't that happen to Grant Daniel? And or, no, yeah, Tom, uh, yeah, uh, Todd, Todd McKenny. It's astonishing how that Todd happens. McKenna. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's kind of curious that when you actually set someone up to fake fake it to, to film it and prove it happens they get caught because obviously it doesn't happen very often mm, mm. and so there's, uh, there's no what well, acma wasn't called in there's no kind of well, well not at this point uh this uh, only happened over the last week so we might hear about it uh, in two years time surely it's it's not an acma issue but a, a police issue well, well, like, yes it's just, yes it's a police and not in fact, actually it didn't go charges. Away, so it's, it's not a broadcast issue but even then they should still press charges surely to stop other programs doing this kind of stuff um well yeah like, because then kids are going to start doing it, saying, oh, I was just doing it for a school project. That's how it starts. That's how it starts. You can do anything if it's for charity. That's, that's true. I killed him for spina bifida, and it's fine. Speaking of charities, <laughs> Origin Youth Health, a, a youth-focused mental health group, lodged a complaint with SANE Australia last week against Australian Idol. Okay. So, uh, psychiatrists became concerned after witnessing a former patient laughed at and humiliated during the audition process. In an interview with The Age, one of the psychiatrists said, they are taking extremely vulnerable people who have mental health problems and just ridiculing them. The complaint says that methods employed by programs like Australian Idol are often tantamount to bullying, John. Yeah. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Channel 10's ne- uh, network executive producer responded to The Age saying, It's for us to judge their talent, not how they have been brought up, any personal issues they are overcoming, or to comment on their family life. Sane said that the criticism that uh, the contestants receive would worsen the health of a mentally ill person. So the, those, those criticisms, when they say, Look, you can't sing... And uh, we wish you would wear a mask. When they say things like that, apparently that can hurt a mentally ill person. Now, that would have been footage from uh, the, the auditions process with Carl Sandilands as one of the judges in the room there? Yes. Um, yeah, it's been interesting uh, this week that uh, ratings have dropped off dramatically for, uh, for Australian Idol not even hitting a million for uh, Sunday's episode. The- oh, but surely that's not just Carl Sandilands. I mean, the, I mean, the show's been on for a while. Well, it wouldn't I, I think we go back to Ross's uh, law of diminishing returns with uh, with things like Australian Idol and, and Big Brother. But the the thing about uh, about the Idol auditions is I, I think the Idol producers are in a really tricky situation as far as this complaint goes. Well, my my question to you because we we haven't seen this, do we? We don't know anything. I mean, I'm curious. Was it obvious that this was a damaged person? Which it may well have been. Well, then they're not telling us who the not. Per- they're not telling us who the person is. Just that it was a former patient, right? Uh, the you know you can't you can't say oh well it's up to them to let us know that they have a mental illness. They set them up, so. uh, set themselves up for it, like rocking down the street when uh, Sam Sam Newman yeah. approaches with a microphone. Uh, 
and you can't uh, uh, and you can't just disqualify them from from taking part and taking part like the ridicule is part of the show mm-hmm. so w- where do you go i mean surely there are people who can't handle the ridicule but wouldn't it be the job of say institutions or the people around them like i i, th- I think it's a much larger problem than just producers being unfair to the but mentally you know, ill you know what i'd ban acapella singing oh. get rid of that Everyone's happy. Oh, it's just a it's just a poorly spirited show. It, it was an editing decision to to have that audition in there and uh, show the feedback from the judges. Um, and I'm I'm a little bit surprised that they weren't able through that process to be able to detect that uh, they they weren't quite. Well, that's what I'm wondering. Mentally, yeah, if it, if it was they were mocking there. someone, they could tell who was not, you know, really competent to take that sort of comment, which but, it may well have been. Or but, but were w- they- one of the things about a, a lot of mental illnesses, say depression, schizophrenia, is people might not. They can hide it. Mm-hmm. In yeah. yeah. They, they, they might not necessarily be a visible sign. Because the other thing I was yeah, saying before is that if you put yourself into that sort of auditioning process, then you do have to expect. Well, yeah, that's. You know, I, I mean, that's the thing. That's a, a rational mind would expect some kind of rejection or criticism, something like that. So, it's it's a really hard thing to to judge what are they supposed to do because the situation might not be evident until much later. Yet if we ban a cappella singing, everyone comes out ahead. I'm, I'm right with you. Yeah. I'm right with you. No more gangs of girls going down the street singing songs from Footloose, are there? Oh, no. No. And, you know, while we're at it, mm. Peruvian flute bands. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, get rid of them. But uh, they're protecting us all from uh, the takeover from, from the, the guinea pigs. I know. Yes, I know. Um, uh, and uh, you know, pot- potentially, if uh, I guess it, I guess it depends on if they're going anywhere or not. Because uh, if they just kind of have a blanket ban on anybody that's had a uh, mental uh, illness, then uh, was it uh, UK's Got Talent? What's what, what was the Scottish woman's name? Uh, Boyle. Would she? Susan, yeah, Boyle. Su- Susan, Would Susan she Lance. That's Boyle. That or was that just a, a post uh, publicity kind of well, see, that's, visit? That, that's the thing, you know. But what what if what if uh, they are actually good performers and get through to the next round? I mean, that's uh, an assumption that people aren't actually making here. So uh, there are there are so many questions, and I don't think it's it's as easy as well. Let's just ban the television show. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, sane Australia. And, uh, no, no, I definitely don't see. ban it. Just uh, people with taste stop watching it, and um, as as it seems, they have been. And I like John's John's way better, and that is the box cutters news. Hey, this is Wolfman Jack. You're on the box cutters. You stay tuned right here, okay? Love you. And with that quite appropriate opening, we uh, we we come to talk to a man who is probably in the best position to tell us. Why the hell Hey Hey It's Saturday is having a reunion show? <laughs> Wil- Wilbur Wilde, thanks, thanks for joining us again on yeah, Boxcast. It's, it's always great being a guest on The Cutters, you guys, and uh, especially with uh, the topic uh, as contentious as this one is. Well, Gosh. well it, um, it, it is, because when, uh, when Daryl Summers announced it, mm-hmm. uh, and Brett, I'm getting a lot of echo. Uh, I don't know if that's something you can organise. Uh, <laughs> when... I'll just get the baffles. Thanks. <laughs> Don't mind me. When uh, when Daryl Summers announced it, yeah, yeah. Uh, proudly, proudly, w- there were words to the effect of, 
uh, it's time and there has been public demand. And the yeah. whole world said, why? And, and in, in my mind, it, it was just this scenario where people would say, I don't know, bump into Daryl in the street That's right. and struggling for something to say. <laughs> we'll go, oh, well... Uh, why, why don't uh, why doesn't Hey Hey It's Saturday come back in the same way that when I first uh, met uh, the the late great Shelley Strawn, the first thing that I could think of to to say to him Did was you? when are the hooks getting back together? The, it, exactly the same not, way that not when are you going to bring up Shell's neighbourhood? No, you should bring back Shell's neighbourhood. That was great. And, uh, and 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 uh, <laughs> and and that's what I would have said. Similarly, the, the first when I uh, bumped into uh, Tim Finn uh, at the BP service station on Beach Road. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, and I was 14, my first question to him was, when are split ends getting back together? Uh, so, you know... And at that time, they actually hadn't split up. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Which was a little it's, bit... Yeah. But his, I, his second was, question was, why don't you bring back Shell's Neighbourhood? So it was very confusing. <laughs> no one really understood that. sort of cocked his head like a confused dog, yeah. one ear up like that. Yeah. He'd do that very well, wouldn't he? Yeah, I can imagine does. Tim Finn doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so similarly, people bumping into Daryl Summers would say, well, when are they going to bring Hay Hay back? We rated... You know, Saturday nights at, in the heyday of hey, hey, 36s, 38s. The show went all over the country. In fact, to Papua New Guinea as well. We went to New Zealand for a little while. It's imprinted on the psyches of a, a, a few generations. John? Towards the end, though, how were you rating? Not 36s and 38s. <laughs> right. Right. But was it still... Oh, look, I, look, I couldn't really remember. I mean, why, it wasn't... Why did it end? Actually, let's go from that, because I don't really... I remember it being on, and I remember <sighs> it not being on. I don't remember well, kind of what happened. It, I, you know? I remember it, I, ended, it ended controversially because Daryl had one more year to make it to 30 years, I believe. We had one more year to make it to 29 years, I reckon. He would have loved to have done 30. The show was first on air in 75 no 72 is that right 72 yeah 72 around about october 72 it started we finished november 20 1999 so almost 30 years and uh and, and so the, I mean, well, twenty eight actually. Yeah, that, yeah. That's that's the controversy that I remember is that it was so close to thirty. Why not just? But also, let it go to the also the, the nine network in those days was full of tumult in terms of um, you know this like ten years ago. I mean, have a read of um, you know, you most probably already have Gerald Stone's. <laughs> yes, thing, mm-hmm. you know there was a lot of that going on where uh, you know staff reshuffles at head office and uh, budget cuts and you know news people getting the flick and. Uh, um, they wanted to centralise operations out of Sydney. and Not like today at all, then. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you know, that's what I mean. Um, they wanted to try some different stuff. And I think, for some reason, Hey Hey might have been perceived... Because we, we, at the time, like, we sort of fancied ourselves as just continuing forever. Mm. And having these guys sitting around, you know, Red and I used to joke about it. So, you know, having these guys in their 60s and 70s... Yeah, just coming in and doing that on a Saturday night, playing in the band, you know, chucking some chooks around, frozen chooks, and uh, and it was just, you know, I mean, things don't work out like that, but it was just a nice notion to be still doing it back then. And it was that it was that kind of uh, improvised feel stuff that uh, I think worked really well for it. I think what 
started to happen in those later years was once Aussie was gone and it, it changed and there was a couch to have interviews on and there were video inserts that were made that were put in um, during the show, which I think really changed the feel of the show. You watch it in 1984. Now, I've still got a couple, from, couple on tape from 1984. And there was, um, in the band, Animal. Mm-hmm. Rob Glover, who used to play bass with sports, and me. That was the band. Uh, Red hadn't joined the show by then. He joined in 86. Molly joined in 87. Well, yeah, because... Jackie was still there. Yep. There was no plucker. There was a dicky knee. And no audience. And the gaps, like the pace of the show, compared to what it was when it finished in 99. It was, you know, like it was a a lot more slick. It was more produced. It was more... Of those things that you said, Cropley, um, with inserts, and, 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 yeah. and it was a, a rapid fire thing. There was a lot of information coming out of there in two hours, remember. We were live 1984, 9.30 till midnight. So there was kind of, um, not that we worked blue, but there was a kind of, uh, you know, a different feel to it. In fact, gaps you could drive a truck through, you know, in terms of uh, delivery and things like that. But that, as you know, I mean, you couldn't, you, you, by the time the show finished, you couldn't take a breath for timing. Somebody had jumped on a line. Yeah. Well, that, and that was... Uh, that was I don't know whether that, that was a natural evolution or whether it, it, it kind of got pushed there by, you know, executive production and, and stuff like that, or just the zeitgeist where people would like to see, uh, you know, three or four songs. And then I think, you know, I mean, over my 16 years there, it certainly did change. It evolved. It, 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 it was an organic process and largely driven by Daryl and certainly uh, when Oz left... And um, we saw it, I suppose, progressing into a more contemporary show because there are other shows coming up around us by then too. So, was was it a surprise for you when it finished? Like, did you know it was coming to an end or or was it a bit of a shock? We knew it was coming to an end. The, uh, it sounds like you've got more to say on that, or is there oh, more no, you can't no, look, say no, on that? No, we just knew. No, that's please just take that at face value because say- of because of lots and lots of things, far too complex and intricate to to worry about. But you know, ap- apropos the, uh, the the vibe coming out of Sydney, the vibe that was around the show, the vibe coming off the media. You know, um, Daryl had twenty eight years there, and then and bugger them all took a couple of years off and went back and came and hosted Dancing with the Stars, virtually single-handedly reviving the fortunes of Channel 7. Like, what did he do? Five top-rating series of Dancing with the Stars. And then they said, no, no, had enough now. And went off and, and uh, he's taken another couple of years. Oh, you know, I don't know, 18 months, two years. He said, yeah, it's been hey, hey back. And the way that that happened, of course, you guys are hip to the Facebook site that the young woman started. Okay. No, no. She started. No, well, this, she started a site after asking permission from Daryl. Um, uh, the Facebook site, uh, bring back Hey Hey it's Saturday. And I, look, I should know her name, and you know because she you know, got us, got me a couple of gigs in uh, September and October. <laughs> but That's, uh, she's, Mrs. Mrs. McGillicuddy. It wasn't Mrs. <laughs> Mac, but um, it may as well it may <laughs> as well have been because um, it had three thousand subscribers when Daryl sort of said, "Oh yes, you know, go ahead, yes, that's lovely, lovely gesture," you know, and, and I don't think there was any anything else other than that, you know, where people could post as they do on YouTube, for instance, they might post a, a segment of you know a, a beat it or a, a red faces segment with judges and there's a heap of stuff on YouTube, but I'll get to that later on because I think Daryl actually really should be onto that. 
back to Facebook though. Once it was publicised, once Daryl actually started to get the ball rolling, short story long, from 1,500 or so um, fans, mm-hmm. it's now well over, and it went very quickly, well, well over 200,000. So there's not a bad baseline right. audience so, for two reunion shows. So you're saying basically you think there really was people out there because you know we were of the opinion kind of like oh yeah hey hey i've kind of forgotten about well, it and daryl's going no people were asking for it you think people really were asking for well, it Two hundred thousand of them were mm-hmm. and if you're going to start off with that for the first show you're kind of hitting the ground running plus a plus a few blow-ins and what what are they what are they calling it? passing traffic but yeah, yeah. You know, a bit of walk-up there'll be a few walk-ups right there uh, <laughs> a few uh, a few rubberneckers as well <laughs> a few rubber neckers, that's right i yeah. want to see what this is like that's right the uh the, the show though i think uh was was very much of its time, and uh, and that time being, you know, it, say tw- 20, 28, 28 years, I would say twenty eight. I would years. say it was of twenty four of the twenty eight years. <laughs> right. uh, it had the, an enormous momentum, though. It, it did. It, it was a juggernaut of a TV show, and perhaps it did. Well, but, but uh, lot, four years is an arbitrary sort of thing. Okay, I'll go with it for the purposes of the conversation. Sure. It tailed off it, it did, for some reason. Whatever. It did. Ta- it did yeah. tail off, uh, but the. Uh, the thing is, a, a lot of the segments were uh, were good because we didn't have access to that information. We didn't have. I mean, when Molly joined, oh, hey hey, ah, and great uh, move. and and you know, countdown wasn't around anymore. Fitted and, in like a pair of comfy slippers, right? Or and, and Molly was the Molly guy who, like. who told us what was going on with a bullet, right? And uh, flew all over the world. Uh, we did, had Madonna on the yeah, show. Did huge, for heaven's sake, huge interviews, right, Matt Stewart? You know. Billy Joel, Elton John, they all came on the show. Mind you, I was invited, along with Molly, to play cricket in England uh, with the Crusaders, as I'm invited most years. A couple of my old cricket buddies go over there and they play. Uh, this year they went to Russia and they play in St. Petersburg and things like that. And they, they do about uh, six or eight weeks. And it's a fantastic cricket tour. Molly was invited um, in 92 and there was talk of, after our successful United States visit in 91, it was talk of going to the UK and doing a couple of shows because we did mm-hmm. two shows out of Hollywood, out of the Warner Brothers Studios in ninety one, right, and uh, and again from Walt Disney World in ninety six. But there was talk of going to the UK, and part of this cricket tour, you play at uh, Windsor Castle. You play two games, uh, one's against um, the uh, Marylebone Cricket Club, I think, and then um, the Queen's Eleven, right. Mm-hmm. And Daryl heard about this, and we were sort of Molly and I were almost going to go on this thing, um, and maybe do a bit back. And, and Daryl said, oh, "Molly, you've, you've met the Queen, haven't you?" He said, well, "Yes." He said, "Do you think she'd come on red faces?" <laughs> 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 so, so we, and you've got to ask, you know. And, and it so didn't transpire, but you know, I mean, that's just, this is Daryl's thing where it's kind of possible, and, you know? and, and and with red faces and with. Uh, uh, I'd me- love to see the Queen me- judging. Me- yes, which- very, very good indeed. Four. We, we are not <laughs> amused. The- with uh, <laughs> an actus horribilis. <laughs> me- Media Watch Press, Media Watch TV, all of those things yep. uh, were uh, c- kind of our, our conduit into, into that information. Mm-hmm. But now we have the internet. <sighs> which gives us if you think about it, a lot more information to go with. I fired across to Daryl and uh, Pam Barnes, who's mm-hmm. our producer, again, was and is returning to produce the show, and also to um, Andrew May, one of our original writers who's also involved in that. I fired across a bit 
from Leno, where you may have seen this, where a dog inside 30 seconds bites about 60 balloons and breaks some record. And it's just a hilarious little bit, right, of TV. Mm-hmm. And I find it across to Daryl and, 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 and Pam, and they sort of, you know, they, oh, Pam said, oh, hilarious, let's get this dog for red faces, you know, or whatever it is. And Daryl sort of fired me one back too, saying, that's great. And he said, for the, for the show, I was thinking of elephants with watermelons. <laughs> and I, I fired one back to him to just say, Daryl. The elephants are only one phone call away. (laughs) (laughs) Is there not a danger, though, that uh, with doing things like that? I mean, there there was with anything. There's a danger, Josh. With respect, to produce drama, you're taking a risk now. I mean, to to produce a news show, to produce a newspaper at the moment, you're taking that risk if you're talking about access to information on the internet. I think it's in personally, I think it's in our favour that we do have such a, a broad. Um, a hip, so you know, and the, the audience are are getting hipped up to this but, stuff. But I'm thinking, I mean, the question possibly what Josh is thinking as well is the audience doesn't need something like Hey Hey It's Saturday anymore. We don't need a variety show to present us with all the stuff because we have access to it all the time. And, and when we want to see the dog biting balloons, we can just go straight to it rather than ha- having the framework which Hey Hey was always about presenting the stuff to us in. You're very good at, at putting my words into better sentences. Is that sentences. what you were thinking, Josh? <laughs> Is that what yes, you were thinking? Very Is that what you were so. thinking? Yeah. All right, well... I speak Josh. My response to that, my initial response to that, and I hope this answers your question, is that live performance is the now. Now, we're going to be live again, as we were. Well, the show was taped live. Yep. You know, for a few years too. But it was live. Like, you know, like um, in a commercial break on the taped shows, that was three minutes. And the crew, the staging crew, would, if they, you know, had to do a set or something like that, they'd, they'd get that done in the time, you know, so that there's a momentum there. I think live perform, live TV, live, like live radio is, a, is just, it's just got a frisson about it that, you know, we can go to the internet, sure, and we can see live performances, but this is different. It's happening right now, and I think that's a big thing. And as a person who thrives on live performance myself, and I mean, I'll do corporate gigs, I'll do MCing gigs, I'll play jazz gigs, and it, there's just, you know, in front of uh, uh, thousands of people or in front of, you know, um, well, the jazz gigs have been a bit down lately, you know, 25. <laughs> you know. No, no, it's fine. Yeah, but that's, it, it is what it is. And in the studio environment, I can tell you, it's exciting, and you're bouncing off. There's a thing, you know, in those early days, I was going to say that there was no audience. It was the camera crew. That was it. Daryl, Jackie and Ozzy on the floor and me, Animal and Rob in the band and Lucky Phil on camera. I think there was only like three, maybe four cameras in those days. We'll have five, six cameras now. Mm-hmm. And there was a backpack and, 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 and there's some guy on the boom mic. And that's that. That was the little performance. That was our. I that believe was our his feedback. name was Mike. He's Mike. Yeah, that was Mike. Actually, Mike Smith was the head of audio <laughs> in those days too. But uh, and the boom mic was uh, Norman. No, no, Norman Neumann. Norman Neumann. He'd come in every now and then. But there's there's just something I think for performers. You do extract. You create an environment in which you are performing. It's walking into a studio and putting on some headphones. Showtime. So uh, when the uh, when, when the shows are recorded, so they're going to be recorded live and then and then go out or don't is know. It, don't know don't know. I reckon we're live Tuesday, twenty ninth of September, and October the sixth also a Tuesday. 
I reckon we're live 7.30. There'll be a bit off tape. Have yep. you started rehearsals yet for the, the show? I mean, are you, do we you know will what's do, going to happen? No. Um, we will do um, uh, Monday night probably or Monday day. We'll go over there and muck around with microphones, audio levels, camera shots, things like that. It'll be just like, I suppose if, you, if we were doing theatre, it'd be a zits probe, except perhaps not as heavily scripted as a tech run in theatre would be. But just to re-familiarise ourselves with Studio 9, which is where I think we're doing the show, um, not that I'm, you know, out of the loop or anything. Uh, I've heard names, um, but it's just, it's just sort of, you know. I, mean, I don't think we're going to have to reinvent too much. Uh, John Blackman and Red Simons and Russell Gilbert and Daryl and maybe Jackie. I had a hilarious conversation with Jackie. Um, just spent half an hour on the phone. They're always hilarious conversations. And I said, "Come on, you got to do it. You got to do it." You know, we'll look after you. And I said, not that you need looking after, because Jackie doesn't. I mean, as soon as the light came, she fantastic. Just takes it downtown, you know. What's she been doing? Since? Slipping comfortably into middle age. Uh-huh. Her son, Tom, is 19. No, Lucy's 19. Tom's 16. And she said, oh, I'm not sure the kids want me to do it. I said, what? what they don't care. Your daughter's What's at university. <laughs> Tom's a 16-year-old boy. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't count. That sounds He's like insane. an excuse to me. That yeah. sounds like an excuse. Well, it, oh, my kids it's, it's don't sort of, want me. Okay, yeah. and I didn't, cha- well, I sort of didn't really challenge her on that, but there's a bit of ob- obfuscation mm-hmm. with Jack because, you know, she means she has to come down from Queensland and things like that. Short story, like, she said, well, what if I did it, what would I wear? I said, well, have a word to one of your chick mates, you know. They, 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 she said, what are you going to wear? I said, lovey. I'm just going to cover myself in acres of cheesecloth. <laughs> <laughs> and they haven't, they haven't completely cut uh, wardrobe at Channel 9, have they? No, no, but I mean, you know, like, and, and, we, have, we all have deals. To... I mean, I wore suits. I don't, want to, I don't particularly want to wear a suit. I, you know, I might just go over to Ray's Tent City and throw on a, <laughs> <laughs> throw on a bit of outdoor gear or something. I so, might come disguised as a fisherman for the first show. Special comment uh, for our video podcast viewers <laughs> who right. can see me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there is actually wearing something from Ray's Tent City. <laughs> I'll I'll fire across a couple of MPEGs. There there is no video podcast. The, uh, the, the... I mean, getting Jackie back would be fantastic. Oh, there, there, was news, there was news last uh, now, week that Molly, uh, Molly is coming. That Molly Channel 7 back? have allowed Molly to, which to come. Which great. Now, what's the deal with that? Well, he's on contract, such is my understanding, yeah. to 7 for Sunrise, is he not? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Uh, okay. so, so what I read when it was announced was that it's just it's purely a goodwill gesture. Oh, okay, and also, also given that Hey Hey is going to be one of the most watched things, and I don't look, I don't, I'm not being, you know, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but I think a lot of people will watch Hey Hey, and let's face oh. it, let's face it, Josh, Sunrise can do with all the help, but you know, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> well, it's, I, I mean, you know, as cynical as I am uh, about it, I'm definitely going to watch it. I, mean, I like the, you being yeah. cynical. Because uh, that's, I mean, I, I grew up with Hey Hey at Saturday. I watched, oh, okay. I watched the morning show, yeah. and John, you wouldn't have because they they didn't have television in Perth, did they? Oh, I was in the country. We only uh, had two channels, and they uh, didn't have electricity. We, we actually, yeah, we didn't get Hey Hey on, yeah. the, on Come the on, on the one commercial win. channel we had in in, in no, no, but no, 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 no. Gold West Network originally didn't do the Saturday morning. Hey, hey. Oh, Saturday morning, hey, hey. I, yeah, so I, I, I only got to see it when I was in Perth on holidays. It was very yeah. exciting. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and and Saturday morning, hey, hey, was, was like a, it was a, a ritual. Well, for, we do. We, we, for me. And that, hmm. the sketches that, uh, that Daryl used to oh, do with, like Daryl and Nuzzi would do. And, yeah. You know, the silly vans and they things were, like that. They were fantastic. All, all sort of, um, you know, collab- uh, collaborative effort with uh, Ernie Carroll, Ozzy Ostrich. Yeah. Now, Ernie. 
uh, recently, or you know, about uh, a couple of months ago, celebrated his 80th birthday. Wow. All right. And Daryl uh, shouted us all out to lunch. There was about a dozen people there, and Red and John, and Ernie was very pleased to see us. And uh, no speeches. Uh, on the invited, just says, no speeches, no gifts. And Simon's got up and says, well, I'm going to make a speech. Not, not, a, not anything to do with Ernie, but I just want to make a speech. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, it, was a, it was a really good day, you know, we, um, where uh, Murray Tregoning came down from Sydney, who was our legendary sound is, effects guy. Is, mm-hmm. Do you know if he's coming back for that? Because he, I he tried to Skype superb. Murray. Yeah, I know. Murray and John together, um, you know, had a, a real thing. They were great. To, well, you know, it was all a team thing. And it's not just as you would understand from many failed projects um you just don't throw four people together onto a show and expect it to work mm. you know and you can hand pick people you can have you know you know yeah davo uh, jillo jono and jacko <laughs> <laughs> made, made up names um and and it's it, it, it can look great on paper, and I mean demographically speaking, it's going. But look, you know, I, I turned fifty four the day before the second show, and um, I feel look, I feel great. I feel really good about it. I think that it's in the spirit of a happy reunion. And when you start mentioning segments, as you did, what cheeses me off and celebrity head and the the, the, the other segments, how are we going to fit? All of those things. I mean, I could write a list now, and you, you of, and then and then guests. Mm. You know, I can't mention any of the names that uh, have. Been <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. <coughs> Was <laughs> now. You know these to fit all of these people who have played a part. <coughs> Amazing, Jonathan. Um, <laughs> In the show over the years, and this is what it is. This is what I mean about the spirit of a reunion. It's it's just look, you know, look, this, this, I was it's a couple of stupid. T- it's only a stupid TV show. I was I was cynical as well when it was originally announced, and then when it was said it was too special, somehow that made more sense to me than mm. than it being a, a, a series, which it, uh, first implication seemed to be oh, it was no, going to no, be. No, 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 no. But so being this, a bit beyond uh, the best of red faces, which we've seen yeah, over the years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So this, but yeah. this isn't just a, an attempt then to get the show back on air ongoing. You really think this is just a one-off, let's, or two-off? Let's not get ahead of ourselves mm-hmm. here. It's something that Daryl has wanted to do for a long time. I look, I, I don't think I'm speaking out of school. I'm sure it was mentioned that part of his um, negotiations each year there was there was a, a pilot going to be done at seven. Yes, mm-hmm. right. I mean, you know, that, everybody knows that, don't they? Yeah, yeah. Okay, that never eventuated, and I think it was a genuine disappointment because Daryl, uh, after hosting uh, Dancing with the Stars so well and so successfully, would have loved to have returned to his metier, hmm. and if there was any chance that you know uh, a show. Maybe not Saturday, well, not Saturday night on seven, you know, but um, somewhere in there. I, yeah. I, I could see, I could see Daryl doing something like the uh, short-lived and uh, badly set constructed uh, Daryl Summers show, the the late night show that he. Uh, that, You're that saying he the badly set constructed because they used to fall over all the time. <laughs> that was a production number, no, you wacko. I'm saying, I'm saying badly set produ- <laughs> constructed because it was an ugly set. <laughs> there's some there's some butte sets over it's, the years at Hey Hey too. Uh, there's yeah. a guy that still gets around Richmond with that Daryl Summers show. Windsheeter. Oh, oh, right, yeah. 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 Uh, but, <coughs> pardon me. Uh, but, you know, that 
that sort of thing. Oh, I, think, I think I think he'd, he'd be he'd be suited to I MC uh, once a month. We have a, a lunch, first Tuesday of each month, um, called the Debonairs. We get um, uh, we had a pre Aria Hall of Fame lunch at which we had about 120, 130 people. And Brian Cad was there, and a couple of the uh, inductees, um, uh, you know, from Ice House, uh, Steve, uh, the bass player, you know, and, uh, and 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 Jimmy Keys was there, and uh, from Masters Apprentices, and it's like an industry sort of thing, you know, musicians and actors and singers. Anyway, I got up and and started talking about the fact that the uh, the Aria Hall of Fame award is really, you know. You may have had your time in the sun, but this is a nice little light in which you can bathe, however briefly, when you accept it. Where's he going with this? And I I said, well, you know, it's important. Once you've had your career, you should just move on. Life is about letting go. And I said, yeah, it's hot in here. And I took off my, undid my vest. Of course, and I was wearing a, hey, hey, it's Walt Disney World (laughs) t-shirt underneath. (laughs) Specially selected for the day because the announcement had been made by then, and I've still got it. It kind of fits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we're, we're out of time. It is always a pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, you, cheers! You know, it's been that. great we, fun. Yeah. We we love having you on. Yeah. So, uh, hey, hey, it's Saturday. Is uh, is having its reunion specials on two Tuesday nights, the 29th of September and, and October the sixth, the following October one, the 6th. and uh, which I'm is sure. the, which is the day after. Your 54th birthday. That's right. And I'm sure we're going, we'll get it right the second night. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. I, I, do, I do look forward to, uh, to, to looking at it with one eye open. <laughs> and an open heart, Josh. Oh, and an open heart, Wilbur. <laughs> Always. Thanks so much. <laughs> You know, you can uh, press pause and the, the CD just doesn't keep going. What I normally do is put it into program so it doesn't go on to the next track. See, and at Joy, you just choose the track number and then just press start on the desk and it stops automatically. Yeah, different uh, CD decks here. Hmm. Yeah, these are uh, domestic, not your den on. Well, which are having problems anyway. We've all learned something. You know what else we can learn something from? What? A show called Generation Kill. Oh, is it like Operation Kill? Because I love that show. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. We're doing that next week. Okay. Uh, Generation Kill is a, a show about a Rolling Stone journalist who is embedded with a group of Marines in Iraq, in the most recent Iraq war. Uh, which was Operation Shock and All? Was that actually Gen- the name Generation of it? Shock and All. <laughs> yeah, it is set in 2003, apparently. Uh, and uh, and and basically just follows this uh, this troop of marines as they go through the from the very outset of uh, of the incursion of the American troop, troops into Iraq. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I have to say, on, on the one hand, I mean, I, I don't have very much to say about this. On the one hand, it's another military show. It's it's another uh, tour of duty uh, meets. Uh, Three Kings. It, it's it's just that. I mean, it, there's there are conflicts, and then there's war is hell, and we're just following these these guys around. On the one hand, on the other hand, I found it strangely compelling, and I I don't think I was I was expecting to, and mm-hmm. I I don't think that the uh, uh, the journalist really 
adds very much to the to the story. But I found that uh, the characters of the the guys that, who were in this platoon uh, were really well drawn. Well, I was like, this is you saying. I think this is actually. This is virtually a documentary, from what I can tell. It's actually like an acted documentary. It's, it's like there are actors... Reenactment. Re- well, it is. I think it is pretty much like... Cause it seems to be that it's, it's based on a book by a, a, a reporter who did go... Who you was know, with them. It, it's, and it was, it's, it's, it's real stories. It is based on a book that is based on an article. Yeah, so it is effectively just the straight reporter, just as far as I can tell. Oh, but wasn't, people- wasn't the book written by the same writer? Yes, yeah, but yeah. he based it on his article. But what I mean, so yeah, so effectively, this is this is all True. just a straight acting of effectively the notes he made at the time. It feels like there's, there's not even an attempt to create any sort of dramatic storyline as such. I only got a chance to watch the first two. It's two of seven episodes, very long episodes. I think it's the same structure as John Adams, for yeah, example. where it's as long as it needs to be, which yeah. is lucky because this is a series that doesn't follow the rule of three because it's a mini series of seven, um, and everything changes quite well, a bit at. In episode four. Only, only having seen the two, it did feel to me like this is... I was just watching sevenths of a movie. Like, I didn't even feel like the episodes had any particular structure. They, they just stopped around about an hour of the movie, which is seven hours long. It felt very cinematic. It's got amazing cinematography. Uh, apparently, it costs um, $50 million to make. Amazing sound. The sound is fantastic. I was, I was watching it in, in surround sound, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, and bullets flying everywhere. It's helicopters. You could tell where they were coming from. It was really okay. extraordinary. And it does. It looks incredible. I've said that I, I, I did find it dull. I mean, it was funny watching it because I went, it occurred to me, the thing I hadn't thought about before is that every war movie since Vietnam has been effectively the same war movie. There are all these kind of things about people are bored, they're confused, there's, there's problems with people in charge, don't know what they're doing, no one has enough resources. Uh, and... It, it struck me watching this that I hadn't it hadn't really occurred to me that every film really since Vietnam has been the same war movie, and this to me felt the same as all of those other war movies, and like the ones you just mentioned. Then, well, and, and, and tour tour of duty as well, which was a, a series uh, about Vietnam, yeah, uh, was was very much the same, but a, a much lower budget. China Beach wasn't like that. No, though. that's true. On top of that, I couldn't actually tell the characters apart, and and I wasn't particularly interested in any of them, and it was a weird thing of me going. This is obviously well crafted. This is obviously, I mean, I, I'm going to say well acted in that I never felt like anyone was acting. I felt like I believed them. I felt they were cliched characters, but I still thought that's probably because that's what they're really like, mm. you know. So it felt real. It didn't feel interesting to me, though. And I, I, the- I, I think the, the notable thing about the unit that we're actually following through it is that the leader of that unit is particularly sensitive about uh, about uh, civilian casualties and and just how off the dial marines in general are about just blow the fuck out of everything because that's what that's uh, that's our rules of engagement mm-hmm. uh, that we have at the moment but but he he actually operates with this this heavy conscience and tries to affect those around him to not just blast away everything and you know talking about airstrikes on on villages and they've been watching it for three hours and there there are clearly no uh, mil- not even any military age males in the village it's just all women and children and still their commanders are, are sending in airstrikes to mm-hmm. just blow them all up what, one of the things that I remember reading one of the criticisms I remember reading when uh, Generation Kill came out uh, was that it, it was kind of a, a law of diminishing returns. I think this was in The New Yorker, that it was a, a law of diminishing returns, that in the uh, in the article it was a, a fascinating piece uh, that detailed what it was like 
and gave you a really good understanding of uh, what was happening over there. And it was kind of the first glimpse of what the troops were going through. Uh, And for an article, that's all you need. Mm. But when it was expanded into uh, into a book... It was a lot more pages, but well, nothing it, nothing was really it, it added. Did, it did strike me that uh, partly what this is about is about the mundanity of war. It's it's just about how dull war is for an awful lot of it. The problem is I actually found that also very dull to watch. You know, like I, I kind of felt I was there with them, but I didn't want to be. In the same way that I don't really want to be in a war in Iraq. And if there's not there's no real storytelling to this because, to me, it is just the unfolding of random events beyond everyone's control. And so, again... Not that interested, and when when the uh, when the reporter first turns up, which is about halfway through, I think the first episode, I thought, oh well, this will be our way of of getting into it. You know, he'll he'll lead us to to getting more depth or, or more insight, or, or we'll we'll see him contrast against them, and that doesn't really happen either. He's just there, kind of in the background for most of it. The, the first two episodes are, are very much vignettes of war. Mm-hmm. That's that's all we get, and I, I don't know if we need two episodes of that. But, I, mean, this thing, I think if this had just been a 90-minute, you know, two-hour feature, I probably would have got something out of it. But having got to the end of now, I think two hours and 20 minutes and gone, I just don't think I can really watch the rest of it. It's not... Because I'm, I'm not grabbed by anything in this apart from the cinematography. And even then, there's only so much desert and blue sky you can show before it all becomes a bit, you know... I think it feels very repetitive. And I'm actually not even sure who the audience for this is. I was thinking of all the shows we've watched... And it's weird because we've watched things like Demons, which is you know, an appalling UK supernatural series. But I still know who's going to watch that. Whereas this one struck me, you'd have to be a really full-on enthusiast for war to kind of get a lot out and, of it. And even then, why wouldn't you be watching documentaries? Or Well, that's the thing, too. Even if this was a documentary, I'd probably... Actually, if it was a documentary, because that's what it feels like to me. It feels like we're watching just a very expensive documentary, but it's not... If I was watching a documentary, really? yeah. at least I'd get... Something out of it because this no, I don't so think that there's any possible way that you could have have a documentary, even if you had five people on camera just just mm-hmm. invisible in the background, that you could that you could capture what they're presenting in this. Well, I, I guess because it is, but it is a doc. I mean, it is a documentary that it's all from the writings of this reporter, and I think that's because that's all I feel like we're doing is we're just wandering along with them. There's no particular reason why it needs to be a drama. I just feel there's nothing in this. Yeah, there's no. Um, well, it, it is in the third episode that you start to see the insanity of Godfather and and him just being in it, uh, and and pushing the people under his command. Godfather uh, is is the uh, is in charge of the troop that we're following. Yes, in, yes. in fact, in 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 charge of the entire battalion. Oh, okay, um, where he orders them to go and uh, take an airfield that uh, the British uh, paratroopers are, are due to take over. But they've been delayed, so mm. so it's it's purely uh, an exercise for him to be winning medals and, and ribbons, or, or his troops feel- winning medals and ribbons. So so this airfield was going to be taken anyway by the Brits. Um, he just he just stretches his troops mm-hmm. further than they can actually make but it. But even in the first and- two episodes, we've seen that repeated over and over again with them going, "Oh, we have to stop here. This is a terrible place to stop. We'll be fired upon, or yeah, you know, we we need to d- demolish this bridge. We'll do it at night where it's safer. Oh no, we're doing it during the day. Yeah, so like, it, it does feel yeah, like I think the it show goes beyond keeps- that. And 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 that change up in in the fourth episode, I think, is where. Uh, we start to see that those in command, so so from uh, the oh, the lieutenants, okay, but uh, kind of from the captains up, who are, who are travelling with uh, with the units, um, 
are kind of just they're not all there mentally like they're they're so but, damaged and it seems that, that it seems because of that that the only people that succeed as a marine are those that are screwed in the head but three episodes of uh of waiting i don't, I don't think waiting driving time waiting no, driving no, I, battle I admit, driving yeah, me, battle driving battle it sounds like that should have happened 45 minutes into the show rather than you know episode three episode four because mm, yeah again I, I, I found myself just wondering why who's, and i'm, I'm who's not going into wars like i'm not I, I won't watch documentaries endlessly on hitler and in you know, his bunker and all that sort of stuff so not a lot of and sbs I'm, for you then no no not a lot of sbs at all for me um i just watch for the ads uh, <laughs> <laughs> so so this I, from from what you you suspect i'm not the demographic for this well, I was this like, yeah i really series, i really, but was I really bit, enjoyed it i was bewildered including all that that and maybe i don't know i was in grants in high school maybe I, I relate to it on that level but I mean, like, it's had rave reviews online because I went looking for it and I saw these people going, this is what it's like to be in the army. It's like, yeah, I'm convinced. I'm absolutely, oh, so not army, Marines, because they actually make a point of it that they're different yeah, things, yeah. but they don't explain why. And I, uh, don't, uh, I don't know what that is. I, uh, the Marines, for, for those who don't know, Marines are part of the Navy and they're, uh, they're the first to go out on the ground and basically clear everything out so then the army can go in. So right. ma- Marines are kind of like first responders, okay. and also uh, like the the whole premise of of uh, this this battalion going in. They're they're supposed to be reconnaissance Marines, but they're actually going in in battle, and and what they're doing is not reconnaissance at all. Um, so so even that is is all bordering on insane action right. from but, but from their battalion commander. It, it makes lots of points. I think that uh, it makes lots of points, but it makes points as a political treaties rather than as dramatic entertainment uh things like the government doesn't know what they're doing why are we why are we even in this war i can't believe that they gave us uh jungle camouflage when we're fighting in the desert yeah but it does things- feel like like yeah we, we kind of get it and then it just makes those points again and again i know that, that's what i felt but obviously that's what really happened too so i found myself going well yes i'm sure it's really but but I, i'm also with with you brett i found it compelling in the same way that i found black hawk down compelling you know black hawk down is a film that is entirely one uh one firefight and uh and yet it's it's somehow compelling and there is there is an uh attention in every driving scene of well they're driving in the desert are they going to drive over a mine Mm. are they going to be ambushed what's going to happen unarmored uh humvees so, so if somebody at the side of the road shoots at them, then that bullet's just going straight through the door and, and is going to hit anybody that's inside. And so, so there is that constant tension. Uh, but I don't know if I'd be willing to sit through seven episodes of that constant tension uh, without, without any payoff. Um, now, do you, do you Josh, uh, given that uh, John still hasn't started watching The Wire, uh, see any, uh, any parallels or similarities or, or production styles from David Simon and Ed Burns who... who Worked on the wire. I uh, I did notice. Well, the the language. I mean, the, uh one of the things that Simon Burns did with the wire was make sure that the language that everybody used was the language that everybody used, mm-hmm. and that's obviously the case with uh, with Generation Kill. Not so much with Operation Kill, but it definitely with Generation Kill. And uh, the so that's that's obvious. 
also, uh, it was glaringly obvious. And uh, John, you won't remember him from uh, from series two of, of the, the wire. wire. No, I don't remember yeah, that at uh, all. But, uh, but Ziggy from series two of the, yes, of the Wire yeah, yeah. as uh, as as one of the the main characters that mm-hmm. we follow. He does have uh, a vampire from True Blood, in it? but sadly not playing mm-hmm. a vampire, which I think would have at least perked the show up a bit. For me. He's actually uh, Stellan Skarsgård's son. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He's a, a long term uh, director and actor from uh, Sweden. Uh, and uh, and so so I did I did notice those those particular stylistic elements, uh, and also they weren't uh, th- they were never really concerned with telling an episode telling a story within a single episode. Uh, so there's there's that, and I think if this was a series of 45-minute episodes, say a, a series of 10 or 13 45-minute episodes, I'd be a lot more willing to stick with it. So mm-hmm. I think I was a bit disappointed that it didn't use that craft of, of the episodes because I actually think that's one of the strengths of television is to, is to use the, the chapter kind of concept mm. to your advantage. Uh, for example, in John Adams, which we looked at, like each episode had a, a different sort of feel. You know, yes. So one might be like a a West Wing-esque political kind of manoeuvring episode. One might be more of an adventure episode where he went off to, you know, to another country. And this, to me, I was a little bit disappointed just from this too, that, that apart from the fact that episode one says we're going in now, you could have reversed the order of them. They didn't particularly feel like, like there wasn't any theme or, or anything they were doing in one episode that they weren't doing another. Like it felt quite just, you know, time's up, end of episode. Episode two started exactly where episode one left off. I didn't feel... They were using the advantage of television storytelling to But them. they are generally getting to a point where, where their mission has taken them to. So and the third episode finishes off at the airfield. And with, and, and, mm. and with that, there is that same element as, as, uh, with The Wire where uh, you do have to listen very carefully because important bits of information are going to be told as throwaway lines. And if you miss those, you, you are going to be lost for for a long part of the time the problem is though it is hard to listen very carefully to what they're saying because there are also bullets going around all the time and people are yelling in the background and there's so much is going on it's it's a lot to take in uh was this shown in over seven weeks do you know brett uh originally originally or over I, seven I big nights i would assume so because yeah, because it's it is a lot of a, a, a lot of information, and uh, it, it does yeah. it does fire up the blood once a week, a little bit. So July thirteenth through till uh, August twenty fourth, two thousand eight. Right. Right. Anyway, that's a it's it, Generation Kill. It's available on DVD. You'll be able to uh, find it on the You Do Buy It store. There'll be a link on the blog. The link. Uh, it has already uh, aired on Showtime here in Australia. Yes, it has. Yes, a showcase, I believe. Would have been showcase. Yes, showcase. Are you one of those that follows the Follows the Hello, this is Ricardo Montalban. Get me a jury and show me how you can say in July. Go down on you. Brett Cropley, you don't buy something. Oh, I don't buy it. Have, uh, have you guys heard of Duncan's, uh, the franchise of bottle shops uh, out there? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah I've... Uh, yeah, they, they do some TV advertising. Uh, I believe they still uh, uh, sponsor the Footy Show. Um, they they have a, a, a TV ad with lots of people partying and getting drunk uh, to that great old Slim Dusty song. I love to have a beer with Duncan, uh, which is a great iconic 
Aussie song by a legendary known for his true blue dinky die Aussiness Aussie. Uh, Aussie. It's such a pity, then, that to make the jingle rhyme and stay in context of a corporate bottle shop chain, <laughs> they sing about grabbing a bootload of booze and putting it in the trunk. If your Australian-ness is as painted on as that, Duncans, have fun with your case of Bud Light at spring break in Cancun (laughs) with all those girls with low self-esteem because you'll be there all alone. I really don't buy it. That's having a kegger, isn't it? Larry Postman, I have a letter for you. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Save you. No, I'm... Letters to box cutters. John Richards, you have some letters in front of I you there. I do indeed. These are going back a couple of weeks now because we've, we've been building up because we love them. Um, one of the most important ones I will start off with, Bolden wrote in to say, depreciation. <laughs> <laughs> right, that was, that was two weeks ago. Yeah, that was. Um, but, but he was, he was I, I remember, Bolden. Straight onto it. Yeah. We're just slow with uh, with reading it out. Oh, he was. Yes, we couldn't remember the word depreciation, which was quite important in the conversation we were having. I couldn't remember depreciation, uh, trying to think of uh, asset write-downs. Um, yeah. it, I did, it did come to me as I was listening back over that week. Bolden I say, still can't think of it. Yeah, he said, depreciation. Surely you heard me yelling it from my car last night as I drove home. Um, we had a really great uh, letter from da- Danny Dalek Boy, who you might mention. Remember, he put a comment on the blog the week that the show didn't work. Yes. Saying that he had actually become a listener and had just caught up. He'd been going through the old back catalogue and was so excited to be the first week he could listen live or yeah, or new. And then we didn't put one up um, because Narelle M. Harris has been singing our praises at various book signings and things she's been going to and oh, forcing people to listen. Bless her. Bless her. Um, he responded to uh, Come Back Mrs. Noah. We discussed in in the new segment, which has at least three names, and I don't remember was, which one uh, we're, we're things. Uh, the long title is "Things You May Have Missed with Good Reason" uh, with, with John, John Richards. Richards. There was also things you should have missed, and then there was also um, just, just don't, don't bother, bother, which I think is what we're going to probably <laughs> stick with. Um, and we discussed "Come Back, Mrs. Noah," a particularly bad nineteen seventies uh, science fiction comedy. <laughs> well, uh, particularly bad as opposed to the rest of them. Um, <laughs> Danny says, I remember Comeback Mrs. Noah. I remember it screening on the ABC and they did actually show more than just the pilot as they also had the episode where they try to clone Mrs. Noah and yet it goes amusingly wrong and what they end up with is a three-legged Beryl Reed doing a Molly Sugden impersonation. <laughs> the other thing I clearly remember is that you could see bits of the Space 1999 Eagle model kit used as parts for the space station. I look forward to seeing more of John's Things We Should Have Missed. Um, yeah, one of the many names. I do actually have the next one I want to do is a sitcom that only one episode aired and they never showed the rest of it, but that's that's still to come. Sophie wrote in uh, regarding Nurse Jackie. We talked about how Nurse Jackie is being promoted as a comedy, yet we didn't think it was. Uh, I read somewhere that people behind Nurse Jackie were aiming for a mash-like blend of comedy and drama. I'm yet to watch it mainly for that reason, but it doesn't sound like they succeeded. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they were just basing it on the uh, the schmaltzy Ellen Older episode, uh, directed episodes. Yeah. But it is funny that we were saying in this week's Green Guide there was an article about Nurse Jackie. And Talking it, about how hilarious, how hilarious it, it is. was. So on it, set and everybody having to stifle their titters. It's so hard not to laugh all the time. Yeah, so it apparently it really is just us who hasn't spotted that Nurse Jackie... <laughs> No, I don't know. I, I'd like to see uh, the the bank account details of that reporter. I think there might be a little <laughs> bit of cash for comment. Maybe, maybe they are having fun on set. Maybe it's just not while they're shooting. 
Maybe it's, maybe there there are no jokes in the script. That's maybe for their sure. craft services uh, has a little bowl of the the, the painkillers that she's on, <laughs> <laughs> or at least some bulbs of nitrous. Yes. Oh, another one as well, but that ended up in there, the, the special bonus bit in last week's episode. And uh, Sophie mentioned Sham Wow, which led to a, a great discussion mm. between Cropley and, and, and Sophie about what the hell it means, which I've been curious about as well, because the young people are just using that word like it's going out of style. I love it. Us young people, you're talking about. Not you, oldie. We, yeah. we granddad. We, I don't. I don't think we've uh, we've had Sham Wows uh, on our infomercials over here. No, but young people here still use it. Really? They yeah, do. yeah, it's it's yeah. jumped it's jumped the ocean. Oh, it's the shizzle. Way. Yeah, it's no. See, they don't say that anymore. No, but they did in two thousand and three, back it's, when uh, uh, Generation Kill was set, because it turned up in that, that dog. It, <laughs> <laughs> I got so sick of that guy saying "dog" every third word. Uh, I know, but you know, Grandpa over there, <laughs> he appreciated it. Hey, I'm in touch with the kids. Uh, put your teeth back in. If you watch one thing. Dear God, when will this show See, end? That's the kids I'm uh, in touch with. <laughs> Five, oh, that's uh, wrong. This in is touch. A- I'm not touching them. I'm in touch. This is the start of our fifth year, and it feels like this episode has gone for four years. Yeah. John Richards, if you were going to watch one thing this week, what would it be? It would be me taking the shrimp shrink wrapping off that copy of The Wire Woo! that has been sitting next really? to the DVD player. It would be that if if I managed to do that. We did also buy Dead Boy to Dexter and a few no, other things to no, speak no, as well. No, so. uh, 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 wire. So uh, your homework. Uh, your no, homework I, I got the Black sir. Guardian trilogy as well. The Doctor Who stories uh, from the mid eighties. I'm still. I'm similarly appalled, John Richards, <laughs> that uh, that you hadn't watched Dexter season one. Prior oh, to. But the, the weird thing is, I was in New Zealand before it aired here, and I saw episode twelve of the first series. So I do actually know exactly how it's going to end. I just haven't watched the eleven episodes getting there. Yeah, it's not not anywhere near as important as watching The Wire. And if you don't, if you haven't watched any of The Wire by this time next week, <laughs> you're off the show. I, I, the I'm not. I'm not going to say you're off the show. It's, I might just give you a hot foot. There will be blood this Thursday, the 17th of September, on Channel 10 at 7:30. They are showing the Glee pilot. Have they not shown it already? Uh, here, yeah. here, no, no. No, they did. They, oh, did, no, they, they did a sneak preview of they, it. Yeah, yeah, they showed Those a sneak preview. This is episode. this is the director's cut. But that cut. was the whole episode. Yeah, but this has a different title. This is the same thing. Yeah, but it's this is called Glee, the director's cut. They're just playing the same. Really, thing. it was on the telly here before. Yeah. Mm. How did I miss that? Mm. Oh, well, anyway, at least it wasn't shrink wrapped for seven years. I, uh, I actually, I, Sam Simmons has a show which I was going to uh, reference as my thing I, I, I would watch, but I forgot what it's called or when it's on. And it's tonight, and oh, it got savaged in the It uh, got savaged, but it's reviews. Sam Simmons. Let's give him a go. On ABC too. He's good. Anyway. Uh, I would watch Good On Your Skip documentary about Skippy. Not just, uh, not just about Skips in general, but about Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. ABC One. Is the right accent? Come on. Good On Your Skip. So, no, like like that? No, you need the Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Eh? Oh, oh, that that <laughs> accent. The, I wasn't sure oh. I was able to do that until I did it. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, vaguely European <laughs> walk boy accent. Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. Will it feature that great story about Ray Barrett telling Skippy that you don't go on television? I think I think it'll uh, it'll feature that uh, great story about uh, Ray Barrett and Skippy mm-hmm. when they went out on the town. Yeah. 
That, That's oh, a great story. Oh, that was, I, 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 I can't hear that often enough. I, know. I, I hope they've uh, had a chance to talk to Frank Thring and, and got his story about when he turned up on set as a baddie and uh, saw the Hessian sack that they kept the kangaroo in there and he said, oh, that's how they treat the star. I, I See, can't that, do that, We've already established this isn't a true story anyway. Yeah. So it's just, yeah. That's how they treat the star. I'd hate to see how my dressing room is. It's, it's not a true story anyway. It's not a true story and I think you got the quote wrong. <laughs> you got the made-up story wrong. And the accent. I, I did and much, much, much better off air. Yeah, did, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, quite frankly, rewind. Not worth doing. <laughs> Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. You've got a bit of pork, John? Oh, the bit of pork I was going to mention, I managed to shove into the letters. But what, what other bit of pork did I have? I don't know. That was... No, you no just, pretty much. You, I was you just, don't tell us anything. You just turn up and go, I got this stuff! I and then stuff and then do... do. <laughs> Uh, I did uh, mention the special screening (laughs) last week of uh, of Flash Forward. Channel 7 have announced that uh, the first episode, they will be screening, premiering just four days after its US premiere at 8.30 on the 28th of September. That's a Monday night. Hey, hey, it's that day. uh, has open call auditions for Red Faces, uh, which is in Melbourne on Saturday the 19th. That's uh, this Saturday coming up in Sydney on Sunday the 20th of September. Uh, You can check out... uh, the Hey Hey It's Saturday section on the Nine MSN site uh, for more details on that. Um, that brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 196. Apparently a domain, uh, McGurk.tv, was registered over the week in the name of uh, an advertising agency or that works for or uh, the Nine Network itself. Uh, <clears throat> over the week, uh, McGurk uh, was the guy in Sydney that was gunned down in his driveway with his yes. nine-year-old son next to him uh, after after speaking to a reporter and saying, I've got a tape that proves uh, a lot of corruption uh, in political circles uh, just a couple of weeks ago. And so, and, and it seems like Channel 9 have registered McGurk.tv, is that what you're saying? Well, McGurk.tv is uh, redirecting to the 9MSN site. Oh. Uh, somebody, Bradbury, uh, at uh, Paul Bradbury at YBIN, which is an advertising agency, has said uh, it wasn't us. Uh, they've tried to do something that's funny, and it obviously isn't funny. Can, uh, when, when we play the outro, do you want to do a quick who is on uh, on that? Sure. Yeah, we can do that. That brings us to the end of Box Cutters, episode 196. I want to say thanks heaps to Wilbur Wilde for coming in and uh, letting us uh, ask him questions about the validity. Oh, and of, Josh, uh, of, of hey, hey, happy that. fourth birthday, box cutters. Oh, thank you. Yeah, well thank done. You, hey, Cropley, happy fourth birthday. Cropley, we um, did it. Punch it in. Punch it in. Four years. They said we'd never do it. I only turned up a year ago, but yeah, yeah, well done, to you. Yeah, yeah, you're still, you're still a baby. You're <laughs> the baby of the group. I am the baby of the group. I will always be the sax player. <laughs> Four years. This is uh, what they make those those cards. Uh, sorry, I forgot about your birthday. Yeah. Four. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, your fourth Wait, birthday, we, your podcast happened, and I forgot to send we'll you a cake. We'll to see a few yeah. of those next week in the uh, pee hole. You, you would have <laughs> thought that uh, after four years, the show would get better. It's pretty much the same, isn't it? Yeah. Just, just four, hours, really? four years of much the same. Four years of the same. As I said last week, though, this is all soft launch. The show's not going to launch properly until 250. Mulligan. Episode 250. <laughs> 
Thanks so much to Wilbur Wilde. He was excellent. Uh, you can see him as part of Hey Hey It's Saturday on the uh, 29th of September on Channel 9. It's a Tuesday. Uh, also, uh, thanks very much to all of you for listening for the last four years. We will uh, no doubt be back next week. Until yeah. next week. Josh, name you're is. making us sound like we're leaving. I was thinking we uh, a very long show. Thanks for the, for the last four years. <laughs> Hopefully next week's show will be a bit shorter than that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, I wanted to make it sound like we were leaving. And then we're just back next week. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Do you like it like that? Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. This is Seven's promo now. And hey. Hey, oh, do you like it like that? Let's be careful out there. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Box Cutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458-288-837. That's 0458-CUTTER. Uh, I've had time to do a who is. It's, it's the bit at the end, which yeah, surprisingly yeah. we do we do a bit because you think actually, the show's ended, but we're still a bit. Then, we do now. Still do it. I actually I did t- it when I first heard about it, and I think it was uh, a tweet from uh, Mark Fennell, friend of Box Cutters, has mm-hmm. a show coming up on Friday, um, and uh, yeah, it was it was to nine uh, MCN. Does this show start this Friday? Yeah, I believe oh, so. None, I've, none of I've us picked seeing, it as, uh, as, the, as the thing you should have missed. I would have done that as a... No, watch one thing. I watched one thing. It's a great, uh, great <laughs> super slow-mo uh, shots of him with his mouth doing strange things. But, but yeah, how embarrassing that we none of us picked the show that yeah that Mark and Dan are doing as the Which thing Which I, I would... Uh, yeah, I, 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 would, I, would have, uh, I would have done that. Let's go if back I'm, in time. If they rang us up and uh, tried to, uh, you know, tickle off a bit of promo... Yeah. Oh, well, no, Mark did, uh, Mark did email... Uh, e- email me so <laughs> <laughs> he did he did he did email me there's no way we could have known mark hooray at boxcutters.net he it did, guarantees we all get the emails he did he, he emailed me saying oh by the way this thing that david knox has reported on is my new show oh, thanks, thanks for the heads up that was uh yeah anyway so you haven't had a chance to do a who is uh i, I also want to say brett uh you don't have to do every single channel 7 promo and can you take off that television suit? Oh, I like it, though. People think I look cute in it. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.